I guess I could slide into Aaron Rodgers DMs and thank him for the content today. Because Aaron Rodgers is where we're starting the show today. It's Tuesday. That means Aaron Rodgers spoke. He was on the Pat McAfee show. So, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to be all over the headlines. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. college football season with the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. It's college football season. It is also NFL season, Ian, which means we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't matter that he's not the quarterback of the New York Jets right now. It doesn't matter that he's gone for an entire season, right? It, it None of it matters because this man's still going to find his way into the headlines. Yeah, and, and today, I really liked a couple things that he, he said. And I was watching the Pat McAfee show, um, which, by the way, is thoroughly entertaining. And the moment he came on, I, that was one of those stop-down moments like, all right, you know, the, the, the abandoned, adopted, now puppy who is now a member of our family, just get in your kennel. I, I don't have time for you right now. You know, I'm sorry. Uh, just close the gate and pay attention. And Aaron Rodgers held court. And he said a lot of things today. The, the, the least newsworthy, which is making all the headlines, is he's coming back next year. Okay, it would have been news if he said he wasn't coming back next year. We all expect him and 100% expected him to not leave the field, you know, in a cart, right? So that dude is coming back. So I don't care about that aspect of it. But I, I was intrigued to see what he had to say about Zach Wilson and some of the things on the sidelines when it comes to the New York Jets. Because I was behind that bench, Amber, and, and it got an- animated at times. And, and, and some of it was taken from the TV cameras on the CBS broadcast, I think a lot of people thought that guys were fighting on that sideline. Now, look, Michael Carter, the running back Michael Carter, not the, not the DB Michael Carter, he got into it hardcore with, with his running backs coach, Taylor Embry. We'll touch on that in a moment. But Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson, to me, uh, that, that was firm encouragement. So the, the stuff that I heard from Aaron Rodgers, which we'll hear in a moment, that was intriguing. But... Him saying, and I'm curious to get your reaction, Amber, going, hey, I'm coming back next year and you know, watching games on a Sunday on my couch. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. That, to me, was not news. It would have been news if he said, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying watching games on my couch. That would have been news to me. What about you? The only reason I think it's newsworthy is that he's toyed with us each and every year, the last few years, about this idea that he's going to retire. I think he's toying with Packer fans. He's toying with us. He was toying with all of us for years. And now when it actually makes sense to retire, because none of those other times did it make sense. Now when you could understand it, hey, you're going to be 40 years old coming back from this injury that a lot of people at that age are the same after coming back from and then going through the rehab and everything that you have to go through in order to once again be an elite NFL quarterback, it would make sense if at 40, he's like, forget about it. I don't want to have to deal with that. He's turning 40 in December. So now he actually has a reason to retire. And so it's newsworthy that at this point he's not retiring. And also he told us in week four. Hold on, Amber. We're going to have to get you reset there because you're, you're you're taking some hits. So uh, so meaning for people who don't know, uh, yeah, uh, Amber is doing the, the show from her studio in her home in Florida. I'm at my house in my studio in Dallas. So Amber, are you kind of sounding underwater there for a moment? But uh, I, I tend to I agree and disagree at the same time. Meaning, 
anything Aaron Rodgers says is going to be newsworthy. But him saying, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm more motivated now than ever, um, that to me is one of those where I, I expected that from him. Elite athletes don't want to leave the field not under their own power. They want to go out on their terms. And he is an elite athlete. Now, going back to the whole, you know, I was 90% retired before going into darkness. I think he was messing with the Green Bay Packers front office that he was still unhappy with for drafting Jordan Love. That's just my opinion. And and toying with with that particular organization. Here in New York, we've seen a different version of him. We've seen him out at... Knicks games and you know, you know Rangers playoff games. He's been everywhere. I mean, all over the place. You know, in concerts and this and that. He's loving the Big Apple, and there was no way that that dude was going to not go back out there and give it one last run. The last thing that guy was going to do was go off on a stretcher, me or you know, on a cart into a tunnel into an X-ray tube. I mean, that that, that wasn't going to be the way that Aaron Rodgers was going to go out. You don't normally have Hall of Fame careers end in that fashion if you can help it. He had advice, though, for Zach Wilson, whose career has been anything but a Hall of Fame career thus far. Here's Aaron Rodgers from the Pat McAfee Show. Well, you got to find a way to block some of that out. I mean, obviously, you're going to hear about it or somebody's going to text you something and you might see some of a conversation about it. But when, it's, when you're riding high, you can't get into it too much. It's like when it's the whole world feels like it's crashing down and you can't get... You can't get uh, uh, you know, too wrapped up in that. Yeah, and you know what, Amber? I think I told you this last night because I, I I had Pats and Jets as the field analyst and reporter for ESPN Radio with, with uh, Steve Levy and Mike Tannenbaum. Man, it was vicious behind the Jets bench toward Zach Wilson. I mean, some of the fans. You're hey, you're not helping your player. You're not helping your quarterback when you are mother brewing him up, down, and sideways. That is not helping. But fan is short for fanatic, right? And fanatical fans are going to do what they do. Even though probably in the back of their mind, they know it's, it's not helping. They're venting. But, I mean, it was beyond vicious. The family attacks and, you know, things that were said to him. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was brutal. I almost, had, I almost turned around at one point going, you think you're helping? And then I knew it would come in me, so I just, I just shut the hell up. Right? I, there, there's no sense of humanity, which, None. listen, You're that's right. a fan base that I, I think we're a bit accustomed to that from. So I'm not surprised to hear it. The piling on Zach Wilson, though, from my perspective, has been, frankly, like nothing I've ever seen. And I, I know he hasn't played well. He's, what, a 25-year-old quarterback. And he hasn't, I mean... It's it's been frankly like I understand it's not good, but then it feels like there's this extra piling on that I I can't explain. I really can't. Like you don't need Joe Namath coming out here and going after him and people saying that Zach Wilson has no business walking into an NFL stadium again. This dude is a few years into yes, an NFL career that hasn't gone well so far. He's only 25. Everyone's done. Like, and I'm not saying that he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but we've seen career backups in the NFL, right? There's guys on rosters that have those third spots in terms of depth. We're saying that he's got no shot at any of that. Like he can't even sniff an NFL stadium after this. It's just, 
It's a lot of piling on. It's a lot of overreaction. And I think it's because he's in the number one market in the country. Well, to your point about Joe Namath, he was on the Michael Kay show this morning, and this is what he had to say about Zach Wilson. And it is brutal coming from arguably the best player in the history of Jets football. Here's Namath. I don't believe in him. I don't believe he has a future as a good player. And I think they made the wrong choice when they drafted him. I feel that way. He has some athletic ability, but you've got to have something up here that's going on whenever you're studying, reading, playing out there. Sitting down, throwing the boat. It's ridiculous. You've got the wrong people playing and picking them. All right, so you hear that. And I, I talked to one AFC scout getting ready for this game, Amber. And this scout said, look, he's got a skill set. He's just not seeing the field well. I mean, Sal Palantonio had this little tidbit he told me before the game when we were up in the press box. He holds the ball 3.22 seconds per drop back. That is dead last in the National Football League. So the O-line is, is a, a bit of a problem. But you go back and watch that game. I mean, we, and we talked about it a ton during the broadcast. You and I talked about it last night. There were times where he had guys wide open and he had time to throw. He just doesn't see it well. But Joe Namath, to your point, saying that does not help the situation. And I kind of like how Aaron Rodgers came to his defense a bit, right? But right now, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's going to be top of mind and one of the biggest stories going forward because he was the number two overall pick. He was a reach by the previous regime. And now Aaron Rodgers was there to fix it. He gets hurt in the fourth play of you know the entire season. And now you have Joe Namath piling on. That is no bueno right now for Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. Joe Namath career completion percentage 50.1%. Zach Wilson career Completion percentage, 54.9%. Different era, though. Different era, but, but, hey, <laughs> just saying. Did, did Joe win it all over the but. unbeatable Baltimore Colts? Unbeatable. Unbeatable. And Different he beat era, man. Maybe if Zach Wilson yeah. was playing in the Joe Namath era, he would have been treated a little bit differently. Coming up next year on Amber and Ian, the ESPN NFL Nation's Week 4 rankings are out. We're going to tell you who is at the top. Is it going to elate me? You'll find out next. Huh. ESPN Radio is also on the app. <laughs> that was an Aaron Rodgers watch. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Miami Dolphins hung a 70 burger with all the fixings. Fresh jalapeno, smoked cheddar, applewood smoked bacon. I mean, chipotle mayo. You name it, it was on it. I never dreamed I would see a 70 spot ever in the National Football League in my lifetime. Yet, we just saw it on Sunday. I mean, yeah, the, the Miami Dolphins, what they did to Denver was beyond impressive. With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, the audio courtesy of 560 WQAM. And look, when, it, when it comes to power rankings, Amber, I'm not a big fan until after four weeks of the National Football League. And then you really get through the first quarter because every coaching staff in the NFL – and every player in the NFL, they're conditioned to win every quarter. And now we have the 17th week, right? So that goes to five weeks, obviously. But when it comes to old school thinking, every single team, and Amber's having some technical difficulties. We'll, we'll see if we can get her back coming up in just a moment. But every single team wants to win every single quarter of the season. So I like to look at what we really do or don't have in certain teams after the first quarter is done. But in this day of instant gratification, we go to power rankings before the first quarter is done. So here we go. According to ESPN Stats and Info and all the big brains that we have here, which are a ton, by the way, we have, according to ESPN's NFL Nation reporters, that they have the San Francisco 49ers as the best team in the National Football League. Now, look, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with any of that because, one, when I saw this squad late last year and a lot of the same characters, same players that are back again this season, these that defense led by Fred Warner, the most underrated player, I, I think, in the National Football League, 54, a linebacker for the Niners, could play for me any day and twice on a Sunday. He is a sideline-to-sideline hunter. These dudes don't want to hit you. They want to hurt you. And it's awesome to watch. It really is. So they have him at number one. And Brock Purdy is shutting a lot of people up. And I do mean a lot of people up. Then they have Miami uh, coming in at number two. Eagles at three. Kansas City at four. Buffalo at five. And the Dallas Cowboys at number six. Now, remember... As impressive as San Fran has been, if we're going to have this grotesque, remarkably early power rankings unveiled after week three, again, we just saw a team hang a 70 spot on another NFL team. You hang 70 on teenagers, you're getting something done. You hang 70 on air, that's impressive. And we have Miami not ahead of San Fran, Come on. I mean, do we ever remind people of what Miami did here? Here's a little highlight, again, from Denver and Donkeys getting chicken kicked by the fish of Miami. Give us a listen. The pitch to A-Chain. Oh, oh, the left side. 40, 50. He's gone. 30. Nobody's going to catch the A-Chain. Touchdown, Miami. All right. Two things here. One, nobody's catching the A-Chain. He changed his name. He doesn't pronounce it A-Chain anymore like he did at Texas A&M. I'm listening to that and watching the game, and I'm going, hold on a minute. Is he no longer A-Chain? He's, he's a Chan? I mean, I, I had no idea he changed the pronunciation. He may have changed the, the way he pronounces his last name 
during the game when he went for over 200 yards. Going, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and mess with folks as we're messing with Denver right now. As we hang a 70 spot on these dudes, I'm going to flip my name in the middle of the damn ball game. I mean, that's how unbelievable it was. Now, you have the Cowboys coming in at six. And again, grotesque, ridiculous, early power rankings. But I kind of, I do kind of agree with not punishing Dallas more than they did. I was talking to, I live in Dallas, Texas. I'm rocking an Arizona Cardinals hat right now, by the way, because my brother used to coach for the Cardinals for, for the last two years, now with the Carolina Panthers. He knows a lot of guys on that team and cares about a lot of guys on that team. And in Arizona, somebody forgot to give them the memo that they were supposed to be tanking for Caleb Williams because they went toe-to-toe with the commanders who were undefeated coming into this weekend, lost by four. They had that big 20-point lead against the Giants. They blew it but lost by three and then just beat, physically beat the hell out of the Dallas Cowboys. Arizona's not that bad. And somebody forgot to tell them they were supposed to be tanking for Caleb Williams. Because guess what? Dak did what Dak does late in games. And I'm a Dak guy. I am. But remember, and this is why I don't have a problem with our ESPN NFL Nation still having Dallas at number six. Because they were without not one, not two, but three starters on the offensive line and no Trayvon Diggs. The problem is, it wasn't just missing those dudes. They had a chance to close this game a bit, and then this happened. Snap is back. Prescott looking. Now he's throwing in the end zone. It's intercepted. Kazir White intercepted it on the pass to the post and takes a knee for a touchback. First turnover of the year for the Cowboys, and the Cardinals have it back with a 12-point lead. Just if we can play the beginning of that again, just the disgust in Brad Sham's voice, a legendary voice of a Dallas Cowboys and the Cowboys radio network. Just get listen to this one more time. Snap is back. Prescott looking. Now he's throwing in the end zone. It's intercepted. And it's intercepted. Let me just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I mean, I mean, that is pure. Like I'm going to throw up on my boots. Right. I mean, here we go again. And this is the biggest problem I have with the Cowboys is that as dominant as they were through the first two weeks, I have said this from preseason and I will say it again. And I have to go to that locker room every week. And I don't and 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 that's part of the reason why I do go to the locker room, because I want to face these guys. They have to win when it matters most, and that's in the postseason. I'm not worried about week three on the road against Arizona. For some reason, Arizona has their number. They are 2-9 and nine in their last 11 games against the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know why. It's just some things just don't add up. But they come in at six in the power rankings. And I, again, I'm not going to punish them that much because they were missing three offensive linemen and they have digs out for the year and they have to learn how to not have that shut down corner on one side of the field just to shut down that entire side. So here's your power rankings in the top 10. Niners number one, Fish number two, which I had to flip those. Eagles at three, Chiefs at four, I agree with that. Bills at five, agree with that. Cowboys at six, okay. And the rest of them, slot them on in. Whatever you want to do. We love a good ranking, right? And here you go. Before the first quarter of the season is done, here are your power rankings with the Seahawks coming in at number 10 and the Browns, the Browns at nine and the Lions at eight. Uh, Okay, whatever. 
Sure. Fine. I'm good with it. The top, though, one through six, I don't have a big problem with outside of the team that hung a 70 spot on another NFL team, and those dudes are on Scali also. I probably would have had them at number one over my beloved Niners. And I have a ton of respect for those San Francisco 49ers. With Amber Wilson, I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Coming up next, we continue our grotesque overreaction of what we've seen in week three of the National Football League when Hawk, Andrew Hawkins, joins us coming up here on ESPN Radio. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Andrew Hawkins joining us, ESPN NFL analyst. And Hawk, let's talk about your former team. They got the win last night, so they avoid 0-3. The Cincinnati Bengals get their first win of the season. Joe Burrow played every snap. Were you surprised to see him out there with that calf injury? You know, I, I, I was surprised and I wasn't surprised because I, I, I think for the Bengals to have a success that we know they're capable of, Joe Burrow has to be healthy. And you're not going to get him healthy by having to force him to play. Now, that being said, I've been on teams that I've looked at 0-3 and three in the face, and those, those are, that's a tough record to come back from. So I understand the importance of having him in the lineup and everybody in that locker room feeling like they have a chance to win and getting out of there with the W. They changed the game plan up. They put him in shotgun. They got the ball out of his hands quickly. They really utilize Jamar Chase, which is a smart strategy. You know, there's still a lot they need to fix, but I understand them feeling like he has to be in the lineup at this juncture of the season. Do you understand him throwing the ball 49 times on a bum calf? I, I, I mean, the, the reality is, like I said, I mean, that's, that's how their offense is built. Um, and if you watch that game, like, they did a lot more quick game than they usually do. A lot of it was dunk. truly yeah. like, get the ball out of his hands as fast as you can, right? And they wanted to pick their spots when to go down the field. And, again, I, this team is going to go as Joe Burrow goes. So if he has an injury that is, you know, a threat for him to miss multiple games for an extended amount of time, they can kiss whatever goals they have for postseason and beyond, oh, goodbye. But the reality is, again, in the same sentence, they just can't get any W's without him. And, and this offense literally can only make any waves. And, you know, this Burrow and Chase connection is why they've been so electric. They have to be – he has to be in the lineup. But I think they're going to try to game plan their way to the bye, get to 500. Hopefully that little bit of time off helps them rejuvenate and, you know, they can have him as healthy as possible down the stretch. Andrew Hawkins joining us here on Amber and Ian. Let's talk about the other game from last night. Hawk, I really wanted the storyline of Baker Mayfield bouncing back, looking phenomenal. I got it the first couple of weeks, and and then not not so much last night. The Eagles look so the Eagles. Hang on, Amber. You're, you're, you're taking a bunch of hits again. We're having some technical difficulties here. Uh, but, but go ahead and piggy up, piggyback uh, off that, Hawk. Um, you, you look at the Eagles right now. What do you see? You know, I, I see a team still trying to find the rhythm offensively. They have a new play caller. They're a super talented football team. But when you watch their offense, you can't help but notice that it's not striking on all cylinders like it was a year ago. And that's to be expected when you have a new play caller. But even Jalen Hurts, I, I, I think, you know, he's still trying to find his rhythm within the play calls and, and trying to recapture that magic that got him the really big contract. Um and I think they've had some trouble early on. There's been some missed throws. 
I think, you know, the whole dust up with A.J. Brown and then being such good friends, I think this week resulted in him looking at him probably a little too much in some situations where there were guys running wide open, shot free for, for really big games. So I think as they get a little bit more um, chemistry with the play caller, they understand how he's going to call plays, and, and Jalen understands where he fits within that and knows how to pick his spots, it'll start to come together. There's such a talented football team that of all the teams that are kind of struggling offensively or still trying to find the right balance, I'm least worried about the Eagles because they have so many heavy hitters at every other position, both offensively and defensively. So they'll be able to allow themselves the time to figure these things out. From NFL wide receiver Andrew Hawkins, now NFL analyst here with us at ESPN, joining us here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. What was the biggest shocker to you on the weekend? One, Kelsey shows up with Taylor Swift in his box or an NFL team hang a, hung a 70 spot on another NFL team? It's got to be the 70 burger for sure. I mean, the most points since 1966 is crazy. There's a reason that that is the case. I mean, back then guys had second jobs and they were smoking cigarettes at halftime. So, I mean, <laughs> drinking bourbon, whatever you had to do to stay warm, right? Yeah, whatever it was, man. You know, whatever you had to do. But for, for the Dolphins to come out here and put 70 points, on a team that is supposed to have an offensive guru. They gave up a King's ransom to get Sean Payton, right? I don't want that to get lost in all of this. But it was very clear who had the offensive guru prowess in that matchup. And so, yeah, I, I think that was that was crazy. And it's a testament to the Dolphins. Yes, they're super talented, but that coaching staff, and I know Mike McDaniel has been getting a ton of praise. I am a huge Mike McDaniel believer. I have been from the beginning. I might be the very first Mike McDaniel evangelist if you go back into the archives. But it's because of what he displayed on Sunday. He just understands it from a different level. And, and the way he game plans, the way he puts his players in position and does it in a way that, you, in, that you've never seen. That's true innovation, doing things that have never been done. So it was, it was a really cool performance to watch. Did you ever think you would see Tua Tungavaloa with a no-look right-handed shuffle pass for a touchdown? Absolutely not, man. Absolutely not. It felt like uh, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was right. to the wrong game on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, you want? Hey, who you want? Byron Scott? You want Kareem? I mean, you know, who wants to get this one? I mean, seriously, it was like Horseshack going back to the days of Welcome Back Carter. Going, somebody give me the ball, right? And who wants it next? Yeah. It was. It was remarkable to watch. And then on the other side, Hawk, if you're Denver. And you just got embarrassed like that. A lot of people are saying, don't even watch the film. I completely disagree with that. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm going to every position coach and I'm showing, I'm going, take your group and find out and show on film or maybe even in the, on the, in the big room, show everybody how that guy quit. And I hate using that Q word. My brother's in coaching, right? He's, he's an assistant special teams coach, the Carolina Panthers. But I would have shown that film. I would go and point out this guy quit. This guy quit. This guy quit. How would you feel? Would you would you burn the film or would you do what I just said? No, you got to watch the film. But I would even say more than that. I, I mean, when they're pointing out guys that have quit, I hope I would hope that they're also pointing out the coaching staff. Absolutely, because that is you know, a man for man, you can't lose by seventy points in a game. That is, to be honest, that's more on the coaches than the players. And even with the really, really good teams in the NFL, there's just a, a maximum level of discrepancy there could possibly be. 
because everybody at like a certain talent level, which is why you'll find really bad teams and really good teams get into a dogfight week in and week out. It's hard to win in the NFL. When you see a 70-point outing from a team, you talk about outcoached on every phase, every level, every position was outcoached. Like they had no answers, even when backups come in. Right? It's not about quitting. The backups came in, and they look like a starting NFL team. That's a coaching problem, and so absolutely they should watch the film. But it should start in the coach's room to say, it wouldn't have mattered what those guys did because we got outsmarted in literally every single phase. So they need to look internal first, but absolutely everybody, everyone needs to take a real look in the mirror. Hell, Hawk, let's go back to Saturday night. I mean, the, the Denver snack was a hell of a lot worse than the Miami Dolphins snack, right? And for people who don't know what snack is, that's the last meal you get before going to bed as an NFL squad. You, you can take that a whole lot deeper. Now, let me ask you about this. And Andrew Hawkins here with us on ESPN Radio here on Amber and Ian. The Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against that very team we're talking about in Miami. That, to me tells me I'm, I'm telling you right now bet to your hands bleed i'm taking buffalo minus a two and a half why because vegas tell knows more than i do your reaction to what i just said as the bills are a home favorite yeah man i mean i hate to go against vegas but i i, I honestly don't know how you match up against this miami offense and i do think that there's some like correction that's going to happen because it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to a lot of people but what they're able to do like this is going to change the way NFL football is played. They use pre-snap motion. Everybody uses pre-snap motion. But when they do it, which is right before the snap, and they get their receivers going at full speed, it's hard to guard Tyree Kill from a standstill. It is impossible to guard him when he has a full head of speed and you're standing still. right? And I, and I played in the CFL before I played in the NFL. And as someone who used the downhill waggle, up north of the border, <laughs> it was impossible to guard because I'm literally I'm I'm at full speed. There's nothing you can do. I'm going to make you miss. I'm going to be wide open, and I'm going to catch the football. And that's what Tyreek Hill and that's what Waddle um, and Mike McDaniel are implementing with the Dolphins. And it, it really is true innovation. It's never been done, but watch and see. And even you can already see it. There's teams that are starting to pepper that into their game plan already. The Chargers were doing it. You're going to see more and more teams do it, and that's going to start to shift the way the teams are going to have to defend them. So I don't know if the Bills can figure that out that quickly in week four, but I do kind of feel like Vegas doesn't quite understand what's going on there offensively. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. What do you make of the Dallas Cowboys right now? I think they overlooked the Arizona Cardinals. I I think they made an early costly mistake for a really good football team. And I think just, you know, when I look at Dak specifically, He's got to play better in those moments. And, I, I, and he's been better this season. His decision-making has been better. You know, but it, 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 when you get in the red zone and late in the game, there's the two places where I want to see good quarterbacks be good, right? Like, you have, to, you have to be able to smell that opportunity and raise your game. You can never be the thing that costs your team a victory. And I felt like that late interception, like, mistakes are going to happen. It was one pick. He played solid throughout the game. But there were some missed throws. There were some, you know – some, some bad coverage read that, you know, he didn't go through his progression the way he should, but that pick, if the linebacker didn't pick it off, the safety would have picked it off. And if that safety didn't pick it off, the other safety was going to pick it off. That's a throw you can't make. That's a, that's a throw you have to, to bring down. And the best quarterbacks are going to protect their team 
in that scenario, and that's where my concerns lie. That's what they have to clean up more than anything, and you can't overlook an opponent. And it was so very clear they did that on defense. The, 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 the game plan they put together, Marcus Spears pointed out today on NFL Live, they, they weren't putting Micah Parsons in the right positions. This was a game that everyone felt like they were going to walk in there and just walk out with without putting real effort in, and it showed up to my earlier point of why a team that people think are tanking or trying oh, to position yeah, themselves yeah. for a really good player a year ago can come out and beat you by two scores because that's right. the NFL. I was going to ask about Travis Kelsey's custom-made ride, but now you got me on a different one, right? And, and as we turn you loose, you played in the league. For anybody who says, yeah, all right, this team is tanking for Caleb Williams, well, the coaches, have, are, their jobs are on the line. They have families. Yeah. The players, film don't lie. They have Their jobs are on the line. A lot of them have families. So anybody thinking, all right, maybe the front office wants to tank, but from a player perspective or the coaches that you mm-hmm. played for, elaborate on that whole tanking stinking thing because guess what? The Cardinals right now, they lost by four to the Commanders, three to the Giants, yeah. and just whipped the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't get that memo. Elaborate more on the player's perspective on that very thing. Yeah, there's, there's no way you can actively tank. That's not something that people participate in, right? Like, if I'm out there, I'm a wide receiver. I'm, I have a family to feed. I have contracts to get. I want to keep my job in position. Coaches are the same way, right? Um, that's not what that means by any stretch of the imagination. Now, if I go field 11 babies to play against the Miami Dolphins, you know, those babies might be trying their hardest, but there's only so much they can do, right? So I think, I think it goes a little beyond that. I don't, I don't think teams do that. Um, but, you know, you just, there's, there's situations where it's not advantageous for you to win. When you look at what's going on within your organization, you have the opportunity to go get one of these elite talents at quarterback from the college level. That is the formula for winning in the NFL is having a really good quarterback. And so – you know, I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, you even look at the Texans a year ago, where it was like they had the number one pick locked up. People are trying to win games. That is how the NFL is. This is this is people's resume. They play for the name on the back of the jersey just as much, if not more, than the team on the front of the jersey, right? And so, to your point, like there there is nobody actively ever trying to lose games. Like we're putting it out there on the line, but you know, sometimes the team is just outmatched. Hawk, greatly appreciate it. Thanks for your time as always. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Bye-bye. All right, Andrew Hawkins joining us here on ESPN Radio. All right, coming up next, a, a confrontation on the sidelines between a quarterback and a star wideout that was grotesquely overblown. Details next on ESPN Radio. Sometimes TV does not do certain things justice. It can look one way, but reality is something completely different. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian. On ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, as we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And you can always join us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-729-3776. That's 888-SAY-ESPN. And I'll get to your phone calls uh, on the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 on the topic I'm about to discuss. So I'm, I'm calling Pat's Jets with Steve Levy and Mike Tannenbaum on Sunday uh, as a field analyst and reporter. And I'm behind the Jets bench when the cameras caught Garrett Wilson, star wideout, coming over to Zach Wilson. And on TV, it looked like Garrett Wilson was mother-ruing Zach. But in reality, it was firm encouragement from Garrett Wilson to Zach Wilson. But the cameras can't pick that audio up. I'm right behind the bench, and I'm listening to Garrett going, this is our time. 
And it was a very firm com- you know, conversation. It was encouraging from Garrett Wilson, not berating Zach Wilson. And then Garrett comes back over again a few minutes later, kind of hits Garrett on the shoulder pads, which on TV it looks like it's tense, but it was, and I was trying to read lips, but it was basically the tone of, it's our time, let's go. And on that next drive, by the way, they went down and scored a touchdown. But on television, it looked like this was Garrett Wilson mother-ruing his quarterback. Well, that, that wasn't it at all. Now, a few minutes after that, this was tense. You had a certain running back for the New York Jets, Michael Carter, coming in and really getting into, I mean, chest bumping and mother-ruing his running back coach and Taylor Embry. And to the point where Michael had to be separated from his position coach by his fellow running back, Brees Hall. Now, by the end of the game, everything was fine. At least it appeared to be. But in that moment, that was tense. That was a Mother Rue session. That thing got nasty. Garrett Wilson and Zach Wilson, that was not a, that was a typical NFL sideline. Two competitors going, man, let's go. Mon frere Michael with Taylor Embry? No, that was nasty. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show was asked about this very thing. Here's what he said. And there's, you know, some heated conversations on the sideline and different things. I think we need to hold our poise a little bit better. Really just offensively, you know. We need to uh, to not have some of those things happen on the, on the sideline and, and to be a little better and to be a little, uh, just be a little better competitors. You know, we need to understand this is part of it. It's not always going to be pretty. The most important thing is winning. You saw what happened in Green Bay. They were down 17 nothing and came back and won that game, an ugly game, 18-17. doesn't f***ing matter. It's like you win the game, that's the most important thing. However, you got to get it done. So, you know, there's been, I think, too many little side conversations and we just need to grow up a little bit um, on offense and, and lock in and do our jobs, everybody, and not point fingers at each other. And that's everybody, you know. We don't point fingers at the coaching staff. Don't point fingers at each other. Just get back to work and get the job done. And I love the fact that he brought up Green Bay as an example with an F-bomb in there. But anyway, point is, Garrett and Zach, that was not a Mother Ruth session. Mike Carter and his position coach, that was nasty. And I do mean nasty. But bottom line is, look, I don't think Zach Wilson's the guy. I didn't think I didn't think he was the number two overall pick. I thought, I, think, uh, I thought it was a reach. And he wasn't this regime's pick. And now they brought in Trevor Simeon as a veteran backup who was cast off by the Bengals to bring A.J. McCarron off of the XFL roster to now go to the Cincinnati Bengals. That is the move they made to try and shore up the quarterback position. Zach Wilson is still the starter for the New York Jets. Kevin in New Jersey. Kevin, you're on ESPN Radio. Go ahead. What do you got? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I do appreciate it. Sure. i got a couple of different points to make. I hope you bear with me. Um, I season ticket holder for 25, 26 years. I had a jet mobile. I had my own halftime show that I actually got arrested for. Um how to get him up after COVID, couldn't afford him anymore, lost half my business. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers will be back in the building Sunday night. I think he'll be calling the play calls for Zach Wilson. I do think the entire offense was Hold built on a minute. around Stop, Rogers. stop, stop. Make it a 20 here. Did you say you think Aaron Rodgers will be calling plays for Zach Wilson? I do believe. He said on the back of the show, look for me Sunday night. 
He said to everybody, don't sell your season tickets to Kansas City fans. I'm going to be in the building. He said it on the show. Okay. Yeah, not Calling in words. Calling plays, he, huh? I know he's in Malibu right now, but I think he will be there Sunday night calling the plays for Zach. I do honestly believe that. Okay. If you believe that, then I, I've got a lot of things I want to sell you. I really do. I mean, and whatever happened to you when you got arrested, seek counseling because that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be calling plays. He might be suggesting plays, but he ain't going to be calling plays. But I love the passion in the it just, I'm going to follow that up here on ESPN Radio. Go Jets!